it's a blessing to worship God with you all this morning. I greet you in this name. Uh, as we jump in, I would like to just read a quote that um, I happen to see that, I guess it's Dr. Charles Stanley passed away um, on Tuesday at 90 years old. And there was something about that that really spoke to me this week. Um, wow. I'm pretty young if I get to live to be 90. There's a lot of life uh, still ahead of me. Um, anyway, a dear old saint like that. And uh, one of the quotes that he made that I wanted to just read as we jump in this morning, he said, God's plan for enlarging his kingdom is so simple. One person telling another about the Savior. Yet we're busy and full of excuses. Just remember, someone's eternal destiny is at stake. The joy you'll have when you meet that person in heaven will far exceed any discomfort you felt in sharing the gospel. Anyway, God's plan to enlarge his kingdom, it's so simple. It's so basic. One person telling another person. And I know we all have opportunities to tell people, to interact with people, and maybe there's excuses or maybe there dis is discomfort. But just ponder the joy that we will have as believers one day in heaven. It will far exceed any discomfort uh, that we went through uh, when we stand there before Christ and with those that maybe God can even, has even used us to bring into his kingdom. Um, yeah, his, Dr. Charles Stanley, his time is done. His 90-year race was over, but we're still here, and we have opportunities. So may God help us to be faithful. May God help us to not pull back or not have excuses, but take the opportunities that he gives us to share the gospel. So yeah, I want to kind of jump back in. Um, as Daniel said, in the book of Jude, um, we went down through some things, uh, just kind of the beginning part and a little bit into verse 5 last week. So I'm not going to necessarily um, read all of that, but I'll just um, maybe briefly summarize a couple things that were in those first couple verses. Um, Jude is talking to believers here, the whole um, book of Jude, with, with its uh, 20, what is it, 26, 25 verses, um, speaks to believers. It's not specific to a certain group, like some of the epistles, it's to Ephesus or it's to the church at Philippi. This is to believers everywhere. So um, that kind of includes us very clearly because we're also believers everywhere. We're part of that. Um, and he wants us to know in verse 1 who we are in Christ. Um, he wants us to know um, what we believe. He also wants us to contend for the faith of Jesus Christ. And that's kind of the first uh, the first three. And then verse 4, he 
that we would know how we should live, that we would be aware of those that want to come in and deceive the church, that we would be aware of those who would distort the grace of God, and that we would be aware of those who deny our Lord. And that's kind of where we, where we ended uh, last Sunday. So um, today we're going to jump in in verse 5, and we'll see how far we get. So Jude, chap- Jude there's only one chapter, so it's, it's simple. Um, Jude, and we'll start reading in verse 5. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed, destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not stay within their position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal change, chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also rely on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed... By all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain of Balaam's heir and perish in Korah's rebellion. We'll just pause reading there at this point. Um, So we see that in in verse 5, Jude is reminding them, even though you fully knew it, um, and one thing as we jump in, I want, want to, we'll go over a few of these things, but you can clearly see that Jude is speaking to a people or to believers, and they already know, people who know the Old Testament. They know the stories, they know the history, and so he, he just kind of like gives a couple, like there's three people that we just talked about uh, right at the end there. He also talked about the Mike. Michael the archangel, he talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a lot of historical stuff that he just kind of throws little comments in about those stories. And I trust that we do know those stories. But I would say if there's anything that's unclear to you in those stories, um, or maybe as we briefly run over them, maybe it will stir something up and you'll want to go back and just look at the details of some of those stories. I would encourage that. We don't have time to go through all of those stories, but um, it's always helpful to know those stories. Um, Different times in my life I've had the opportunity of talking to someone who knew very little of the Bible. And it's amazing. You just say, you know, Abraham and Isaac, and they're like, huh, who? Uh Oh, and you, you know, and you got to give a little brief synopsis of that story. Anyway, so I hope that some of these names, most of us at least, know those names and um, the story of them. So we start, and he says, you know, the, uh, the children of Israel, how he saved them out of the land of Egypt. Afterwards, he destroyed them, the, the, those that didn't believe. And I know we, many times we can be hard on the children of Israel and we're like, what was up with them? Like, you know, 
all these things that God did for them, let them out of the land of Egypt and across the Red Sea. And just like that, they're complaining and they're griping and they're complaining about this and they're grumbling about that. Um, and they're pulling back and saying, well, oh my goodness, how can we do it? Look at, look, you know, look at the, we, we, we felt like grasshoppers and they were giants and all these things where they pulled back in unbelief. And we know the story how um, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years and those who had unbelief perished. They died off in those 40 years. Um, Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says they had a different, uh, a different spirit in them or they had a different way of looking at things. There was a faith inside them. So I believe that as we look at those verses and we think about even in our own lives where we see that God has brought us out of something, God has redeemed us, he's transformed us in this area many, many times, then we see another area and it's like, I'm not sure if God can do something with that. And it looks too big. I know I've many times done that and I've pulled back to my comfort zone or I pull back in unbelief from what God has told me to do. So I trust that that can be something that can speak to our hearts this morning. Um, a little bit, um, the portion that we're going to look at this morning, there's a, there's a fair amount in here that looks, it's, it's basically talking about apostasy, which uh, is something that is all around us. And I don't believe that just at Restoration, just because we go to Restoration Church, we are free from the tendency to go into apostasy. Or, yeah. So I believe that's important for us to be challenged in these things. Um, many, many times we see little areas where we want to go to just the easy route or go into apostasy. Um, Matthew, Matthew Henry says that hypocrisy is to do the devil's work in God's uniform. You dress the part, but it's not who you really are. That speaks to me. I know we have been guilty at times as believers to just play a part or to put on some kind of a uniform, but it's not who I really am. God desires truth in the inner part, inner man. He desires us to live out of what's really here. And if something that's really here is not right, or it's not who God wants us to be, then thank God for the transforming work of Christ. It can be changed. We don't have to stay in that place. Uh, Matt, going on with what uh, Matthew Henry says, he says, Apostasy, which is this, a subject, a big subject in the book of Jude, is related to hypocrisy, except hypocrisy is doing the devil's work in God's uniform. Apostasy is where you just take the uniform off and let people see who you really are and have been all along. And I believe in the modern world that we live in, there's a lot of people talking about just, you know, being yourself, just being real. And I'm all about not putting pretense on. I'm, not, I'm all about not having to put on some kind of religious form or piety or appearing a certain kind of way. I love that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I love that we can come even on a Sunday morning, and we can come and we can have a need. We can have really a rough week, and we can come and say, Brother, pray for me. This is what I'm going through, and, it, and there can be a safety. I'm grateful for that. But what this is talking about is where, where it's just kind of people don't want to change. They don't um, just, I'm just going to 
this is who I am, and it's like I'm not going to allow God to change me. This is just who I've always been, and this is how I'm going to be. Um, and so he's giving us a warning to those things. So verse 5, it talks about the, it reminds us of the danger of unbelief. And the encouragement to our hearts this morning is to not trust in the security of, of our past experience. Many times it's easy to, to look to the past, and no matter how wonderful the past was, those good experiences, we need something new, we need something fresh. And we're not going to be able to move forward in this Christian life unless we have a fresh encounter with Christ day by day, moment by moment. So don't just go and say, well, that was you know three years ago. Um, I love testimonies from 10 years ago, but the testimony that is really, really powerful is the one from this week or from last week or from today. What is God doing today? So don't just trust in the past. God led the children of Israel with a strong and mighty hand, but then there was a lot more leading that he wanted to do, and they kept going, pulling back, saying, eh, no, I don't think so, God. Um, That was cool that you led us over the Red Sea. Hallelujah for that. We'll sing the song of Moses. We'll do, you know, but now we're just going to hang out here because that was rough. Um, But God's saying, I got more for you. And so don't just look back to the past. Look forward and say, God, what are you wanting to lead me into? Another thing is do not trust in the security of a future expectation. Who are you trusting in? We need to press into Christ with all of our might. Just because he led us in the past, it doesn't, we can sometimes become lazy or become um, lax and just say, well, God's, you know, he's, he's good. I'm sure he's going to get me through this. And we don't put the effort in to press in and say, God, without you, this is going to fall flat on I'm going to fall flat on my face. Who are we trusting? Are we trusting God or are we leaning on the arm of flesh? And uh, that was something I was praying about this morning and throughout this week. Because it's so easy, as we gain experience in anything that we do, to begin to lean on the arm of flesh. Like, I think about so many different aspects of our lives, and maybe the work that you do, even. Think about the first day on the job, and the way you felt. And the way you, oh man, I don't know, can I handle this? Someone maybe was training you. But now you've done it for four or five years, and it's, you got this, you know. And many times, they say... That's sometimes when someone can, you know, you get used to running a saw and that's when you can cut yourself, right? You get so used to it and you're not cautious, you're not careful. Anyway, so don't press in. Don't just lean on the past um, and don't just trust that, oh, the the future is so clear. You need to press in with all of your heart. We need to trust God. Um, The second thing that we see in in verse 6 is that we need to remember the rebellion and the dishonor of it. It's easy for us to want to go our own way. And I, I, I think that looks different for different ones in different stages. But no matter where we find ourselves, we all have people that are over us. Whether children, you guys probably have the most amount of people over you. But there's always someone up who we are um, accountable to or we need to be willing to take guidance from. And so just remember, rebellion is sneaky, and it will lead you down a wrong path. Accept God's plan for your life, and respect God's power over your life. He is doing it, and he's got the plan. So surrender to that plan, and don't 
go, don't try to go your own way. Don't say, God, I think I have a better plan. Or I think it would be better if I did this or that. Um, I think back to many small decisions in my life that I thought were small, but they were huge. And looking back, I'm so thankful that I said yes to God and didn't just go my own way. Because who knows where that would have led if I had gone my own way. Um, What I see in this is, am I willing to submit to God? Am I willing to surrender? Or do I want to do my own way and go down the road that I want to go down? Um, Verse 7, it talks about the Sodom and Gomorrah. And I believe we're very familiar with that story. And we live in a time and in a world where things are quickly going in the same down the same path of the abominable abominable sins and the just the the awful sexual immorality that was in Sodom and Gomorrah and we see that around us and it's important i think sometimes we we feel so disgusted by some of that that it's just it just disgusts it just disgusts us And I think it's good that it disgusts us, but I think it's important that we know how to take a stand against that darkness. I believe it's important that we also know how to lead our families and lead our children into purity. And they bump into it. That's the reality of it. You cannot avoid the whole LGBTQ thing and all of that. That's the world that we live in. And my prayer is that we would walk carefully as believers but also that we would not be afraid to open our mouth when god gives us opportunities and most of all i think that it's important that we know how to articulate god's word the truth of god's heart to our children because it bomb it's it's bombarding them more than maybe it bombarded us when we were their age sexual perversion perversion can consume you And I believe it's easy for us as believers to look at Sodom and Gomorrah or other people that live around us who are living that kind of uh, uh, awful lifestyle and really look down our nose at them. But yet in, in our own life, we allow these little things that maybe are not quite as bad or don't appear quite as bad or... Maybe it's something that we just look at in private on our phone and we think, well, I got it mostly under control. And I just want to say this morning, sexual perversion, it will consume you. It will destroy you. So don't allow little things. It is those small things that become big things. There is, you know, you hear, you hear of people who lost out in their Christian life, maybe even uh, church leaders or pastors or people like that. And it's like, what went wrong? Well, it wasn't that for 30 years they were living. Most of the time, it wasn't for 30 years they were living in gross immorality. Most of the time what happened is they just allowed their guard to come down and they allowed, they began to be comfortable with just a little bit of impurity, of darkness, of sexual perversion, some kind. And that opened up the door, led to one thing to the next. And before you realize it, They fell into something really serious. So don't think that just because it's not a big thing, it's not going to lead you to something worse. Um, Let's be a people 
that can be honest and open with each other and before God, and that can walk in the victory that Christ purchased for us. There's no reason that darkness in this area of sexual perversion needs to be in our lives as believers. We can overcome through Jesus Christ. So don't allow it to just hang out in the corner. Sweep those corners. Let the Holy Spirit convict and let those things be brought into the light and, and repentance of those sins and victory will follow. Um, we see that the, the, the eternal judgment that God put on Sodom and Gomorrah. And we do believe that uh, these kind of sins are the things that many times can take people from being in church, calling themselves Christians, and lead them into debauchery, lead them away from Christ. So it's, it is a serious thing, these kind of uh, sexual sins. Are you following Christ? Are you obeying him? Are you being an overcomer in these areas? God's desire is that you would be. And I just want to encourage us to don't hide. God blesses those that confess and forsake. That is where the mercy comes from. We sing a lot of songs about grace. We sing a lot of songs about mercy. And that's beautiful. He wants to extend his mercy and his grace to us. But we need to be honest with where we are. We need to be open with even those small things, lest they grow and consume our life. The other thing that I feel strong about in my heart is that those little things, they, they, they take, they, they siphon, it's like they siphon the, the spiritual life right out of us. And many times, you know, you can feel strong on a Sunday, but by Tuesday, you just, you don't have anything left. And many times it's those, those, those sins, yes, but even just things of this world many times just kind of siphon the life right out of us. So beware of even those things that are maybe not sinful, but just those things that want to erode what we believe in. They want to pull us away from Christ. If it's not drawing us towards Christ, then maybe we need to check it off our list. Maybe we need to get, remove it from our life at times. Um, verse 8 talks about... Um, these, these verses are a little more controversial. It talks about the angels that, that pulled away from their God-given position. And, and they're, they're kept in eternal change, chains under gloomy darkness. Uh, whatever all is being said in these verses, we do know that we see that God, had, God set up an order. Um, we know the history of even Lucifer, who was the bright one, you know, a, a beautiful angel, that God had created and he wanted to be like the most high and he was thrown down and some would say that these angels maybe were some that were thrown down with him um, it seems like these are kept in chains of darkness which um, we know that Satan is around doing his doing his work and we know that there is the demonic underworld um, and demonic forces are still at work so Whatever these angels were, it seemed like they, are, they were bound. Um, the demons that we see at times uh, taking over people who give themselves over to them um, seems like they still have power, where these don't seem like they have power. But whatever the case, we just see that it's important that we, each one of us, know the order and we find ourselves 
within that order that God has set up. Even I just think about the the um, the authority structure, the um, and that we su- su- submit to that and not try to uh, fight against what God has put in there. We know that God is the highest one. We know that um, I think about Corinthians and the way it talks about man and women and. That it's, it's beautiful, and it's not something that one is higher than the other, one is lesser than the other. But God did set up an authority structure. And the more we are willing to say yes to God's plan and what he set up, um, we will have a blessing in those things. Um, so we see here about, in these verses, uh, verse 8, we see about avoid all, um, all immorality... Don't become defiled. Don't become disrespectful. In verse 9, we see about avoid, that we need to avoid becoming spiritually intoxicated. Many times, um, we, need to, we need to know our place in God's economy, and we need to know God's authority and his power. And, you know, at times I've heard people who it felt like they... They thought they were so close to Christ that they almost, um, they didn't come in Jesus' name, I guess I'm going to say. And I believe that we need to just realize that if I have any power today, it is because of Jesus. It is because um, that authority has been given to us through Jesus Christ. And just that we keep the proper order and understand that, um, you know, it's not because of birthright or it's not because of a family name or because of a church that we go to, but it's only through Jesus Christ. And just because you go to Restoration Church, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be restored in your life. You know, you have to surrender to God's work. So don't become proud. Stay humble. Know your place in God's economy. Know that He is the greatest and worship Him as such and Walk as you walk in his power, know that it is his power, not your own. Um, we see a little bit in verse 10 as well. It's about um, these people that they blasphemed and they were destroyed. Um, we see kind of a mentality of arrogance and that they kind of just lifted themselves up. And so we need to also guard against that. It's easy to be lifted up, and it's 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 easy when Maybe we see God using us in some way. And, and maybe it's even in a small way. It's like, wow, that was good. Where did it come from? Who gave me those words? Who gave me breath? Who gave me life? And that we don't become lifted up, but all glory goes back to him. So may God help us to guard our minds and guard our mouths that we don't become lifted up in pride and that we don't become arrogant, but we know who we are in God's economy. We know that God is the judge and that he will judge all the ungodly. And I think again it's easy for us to look and say the ungodly those are the people that are out there, you know, they're not inside this church. Um but when you look at ungodliness, it's really anything that pulls us from being Christ-like or from being godlike. And I do believe it's important that we guard our hearts. Um, as we talked some last week, that we contend for this faith, that we know what is inside of us and that we guard it and that we focus on becoming more and more like God. I know I've said it before, but like using the example, 
I can't imagine living another 50 years beyond where I am today. What can God do in my life? I don't know. That excites me. I know he's done a lot in the last 40 years that I've lived, and I'm thankful for that. But I want him to continue to make me more godly. And when I look at heroes of the faith, um, whether they're still living or whether they've gone already, and you look at them, you see so much godliness inside them. Um, I've had different times in my life. I remember times when someone would come and say, apologize for something. And I'm looking at them like, huh, what? I, I didn't, what, what do you mean? Didn't bother me. I didn't think, think you said anything wrong. And I don't know. I, I think that the more we do become like God, the more sensitive to the Holy Spirit we can be. And my prayer is that if God gives me another 40 years or another 50 years, I would become more and more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, maybe, maybe, it, maybe you didn't take offense at something I said, but maybe God convicted me. So we need to be faithful when God convicts us to say, you know what, that was, I'm sorry. And I, I, I love the way God can make us more and more like himself. And I know we've experienced that where you, you're in the room with someone who is maybe getting up in years and you, there is just an aroma of Christ. It's all over them. There's no question that they've been with Jesus. And uh, mm, Lord, I want more of that. Do that in each one of our lives. Um, as we jump down into verse 11, um, 11 through, I guess actually, we didn't actually read all the way down to verse 16, but 11 through 16, um, it talks a little bit here um, about woe unto them. And again, he's talking about things that happened in the past, for they walked in the way of Cain. So uh, how many children here know about Cain? You guys know about Cain? Raise your hand if you remember the story of Cain. Does anybody remember his brother's name? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Yeah, that one, that was, those two always go together in my mind. But here it talks about Cain. And we're just going to look briefly at Cain. Um, so it says, Woe to them, for they go the way of Cain. What is the way of Cain? Um, I think we remember the story. But it's Cain went... Through the motions of worshiping God, but his heart was not full, fully engaged, and instead of actually worshiping, he was envious and he was self-centered and he was actually rebelling against God. Uh, maybe that's just a brief, what, what was going on with Cain, the way of Cain. He was desiring to look good, he was desiring to worship, he was desiring to bring a sacrifice, but his heart was not in the right place. His heart was focused on himself instead of on worship of the true God. And I think about that. Like the Bible talks about that God desires us to worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that actually look like for me um, tomorrow morning when I wake up? What does that look like when I'm feeling a little bit grumpy in the middle of the day on Tuesday? How can I worship him in spirit and in truth? How can I be real? Um, and actually worship him. So that was the way of Cain. He was self-centered. He was he rebelled against God. He he was full of envy. And so these verses warn us: Whoa, be careful, lest you also walk down the way that Cain walked. Lest you also 
let the, lest the worship that you bring is not from, your, from deep within your heart. Lest the worship that you bring on a day-to-day basis is just to look good. Let it be a real life poured out. That is pleasing to God. And then it goes on to says, then it goes on to say, and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir. Okay, so what was Balaam's heir? Um, I think we're fairly familiar with the story of Balaam because, well, I think Balaam is the only person that I know of that had a talking donkey. Well, actually, never mind that. <laughs> you know, God used the donkey to speak to Balaam, right? Um, because he was going because he was doing the wrong thing he was not doing what god had asked him to do um so we see balaam um balaam was tempted to to his own destruction by the love of money for he was willing to prostitute his the gift or the spiritual gift that god had given him because of money he was he was flattered by the attention that he received from the king from king balak and his princes so the love of money was the biggest thing that led him down the wrong path. He was, he, if it was about money, then he was going to do it. It didn't matter if it was against what God had told him to do. He was desiring popularity. He was desiring power. Um, all these evil lusts grow out of the same soil, pride. So Balaam, beware of Balaam. Don't abandon yourself for the sake of gain. Balaam went down the wrong path. He did what was wrong just because he said, I'll give you some money. There was some prestige with it. There was some um, position possibly, some popularity. And I believe that's so common for us as humans again. You know, it's almost like we struggle with the same things that whoever Jude was writing this to struggle with. It's easy for us to just not say certain things or just kind of make it a little nicer because we don't we want to be popular. We don't want to say something that's not popular. We don't want people to look at us in a different kind of way. Or we don't want to pull back from a wrong business dealing because, well, there's money there. What is God saying? What does God's word say? What does the principle of God's word say? And may, we, uh, may that govern our lives versus the love of money or the pursuit of popularity. And the last thing it says here is, and perish in Korah's rebellion. And I think, again, probably most of us know the story of Korah. Uh, Korah and his group, they openly and blatantly challenged the God-given authority of Moses and Aaron. And they felt like they deserved the opportunity to serve as priests. They felt like they were at least as good as Moses and Aaron. They felt like Moses and Aaron were kind of putting themselves up there beyond what they should. And they wanted to have the position as high priest. Um, they, they, they wanted to, you know, instead of Aaron being the high priest, Korah wanted to put himself in that position. Um, they wanted to monop- they wanted the, monop- the, the monopoly um, on being the high priest. They coveted position. They coveted a certain role even though God had not given them that position and not given them that, uh, ordained them to that. In, in Korah's judgment, we see that God caused the ground to suddenly open up beneath Korah 
and the group of people that rebelled with him. It was not just Korah. There was a group that also agreed with him and said, yeah, this is wrong. We got to deal with Moses and Aaron. They are out of order. And, you know, as the story goes, we see that God had the last word. God had actually set Moses and Aaron up and Korah needed to humble himself and be under their authority and do what God had called him to do. So we see that the, the earth suddenly opened up and they were, they all fell in. Quite a serious judgment that came on Korah and this uh, group of people that were following him. So we see in verse 11 that God judges the ungodly because of their decisions. So there is consequences for decisions. I said earlier about small decisions that were actually big decisions. Um, what kind of decision am I going to make this week? I don't know. We need God's help to have the right attitude and to make the right decisions um, because decisions do have consequences. So it's talking about the, this kind of people that would walk in the way of Cain, abandon themselves in the gainsay of Balaam, and perish in Korah's rebellion. They're hateful, they're greedy, they're rebellious. God judges un ungodly people um, because of their deception. That's uh, jumping down to verse uh, 12 and 13. We see that um, there's a lot here that you could really dig into. So we're just kind of skimming over it. But again, it's talking about people, and then it talks about these people that they're hidden reefs, um, at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by the wind, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. So there's a lot of pictures there, a lot of things that clearly... Um, Jude is trying to bring out about these kind of people, and I don't claim to understand all of, all of the, the different pictures that he's bringing out, but it's a pretty serious situation that these kind of people are, um, and I think specifically about a shepherd that would feed himself instead of the sheep, the seriousness of that. Can you imagine a cloud? Can you imagine waterless clouds? Um, you know, when you see a cloud, especially when it's dry, you kind of hope it's going to rain. Um, I remember clearly when we lived in Ghana, the first rains, after it had not rained for at least five months, and you'd see a storm brewing, and everybody was waiting with bated breath. Is it going to rain? Because it was pretty dry, and it was pretty dusty. Anyway, these people, it says they are clouds without rain. There's they look like the real deal, but there's nothing to them. There's, there's, no, there's no sustenance to them. They look real, but they're fake. They're swept along by winds. They're just nothing. Um, fruitless trees in late autumn. Um, how many people have fruit trees at your house? Raise your hand. You have fr anybody have fruit trees? A few? Uh -huh. Eight years ago, we planted a little peach tree, and I wish we planted a lot more because, oh, that, that peach tree was amazing last year. Can you imagine a fruit tree that you planted eight years ago? And it's still just a little thing, but we, we got so many peaches off that thing. Can you imagine a, a tree, a fruit tree, 
with no, no fruit in late autumn. When you're expecting fruit, there's nothing there. Um, and again, that, this is these kind of people who go after this kind of impurity, these, all these things that we've been looking, that's how they are. They are a fruit tree with no fruit, twice plucked up. So I picture that. I don't know exactly what it means, but it's almost like, or does it say twice plucked up? Or here it says twice dead, uprooted. So you go over to a fruit tree and you say, wow, there's a peach tree. And you walk over to it and you say, hold on. Well, that looks kind of like it's dying. It's withering. What's going on? And then you realize there's no peaches on it and it's uprooted. Um, it's twice dead. That, that sounds pretty dead to me. Um, and you're not going to pull any fruit off that tree. And these are these kind of people who go after these things. They're twice dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea. That I, I just pictured with that, um, they cast up their foam of their own shame. They look powerful, but it's just there's nothing in there. There's nothing in them that is worth anything. It's just shame. Wandering stars. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but clearly we see all of this. There's I, I get a picture there. There's no there's no anchor point. There's no um, they're out of order. Obviously, God put the stars in order, and they're exactly where He wanted them. So a wandering star would be somebody who's out of order of what God wants from them. And then it says, for whom the gloom and utter darkness has been reserved forever. Um, so we see that these people, they're hateful, they're greedy, they're rebellious. They are destructive, they're dis- and they disappoint you. No fruit. They're destitute, they defile, and they're not where you would expect them. They're dis- they disappear. These are these, this is these kind of people who uh, God is going to judge And God is warning us, don't allow yourself room. Contend for the faith. Fight for what you have been given. How many of us here grew up in in a Christian home? Raise your hand. How many of us? That's a lot of us. Maybe some of us, eh, was it? I think halfway. Anyway, I know mine was. Um, There's a lot of us that were given so much. But are we fighting for the faith that was delivered for us? Or are we allowing the deceitfulness of the world around us to just kind of lead us into darkness? To just kind of lead us into things that are not what God has for us? It's so easy to allow the deception of the world to have an effect on us. And to slowly eat away at the faith that was delivered to us. So we need to earnestly contend for that faith. We need to fight the good fight. We need to lay hold on eternal life. I'm going to briefly just read um, verse 14 through the well, verse 14 through 23, and we'll see if we can wrap this up. Um, and before I read it, the next verse here talks about Enoch, which um, I believe we're familiar with. Enoch. Um, some people, from what we understand, there is um, there's a historic book that Enoch wrote, and so feels like there was people in that time were fairly familiar with that um so it says here in verse 14 and it was it was also about these that enoch the seventh from adam prophesied saying behold the lord comes with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such things in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, 
malcontent, following their own sinful desires, they are loudmouths, boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. So, obviously, uh, Jude is talking about um, a prophecy that Enoch had prophesied about people like this. And whatever, whatever um, he had prophesied in, those ver- uh, in what he wrote, um, we clearly see it's, it's, it's true. That is, that is what happens to these kind of people. That is how it works. Um, these, these kind of people, these sinners, God does execute judgment on them. And we know that the Lord is coming with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment and to convict the ungodly. And I believe it's important for us to know, as believers, to make a clear distinction between what is godly and what is ungodly. Because there's a lot of gray areas. And I believe the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide me. There's many times where I've done something or read something or looked at something and yeah, it was all good and later i felt god say you know what I, don't you shouldn't why'd you look at that why did you waste your time let's be quick to respond when god convicts us of something and put away those things that may lead us towards ungodliness or down a wrong road um there's a lot here these harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Grumblers, following their sinful desires, loudmouth, boasters. Um, I feel like I've seen a few people like this in the world that we live in today. May God help us to run from these things and hold fast to the faith that has been delivered to us. And now to me, the, the wrap-up and the best part, some of these verses. Um, verse 17, this is a call to perseverance a call to living the christian life and a call to believers once again um, a real focus so let's may some of this in the middle maybe gets a little bit um a little bit here and there but this is focused but you must remember beloved beloved believers the predictions of the apostles of our lord jesus christ they said to you in the last time there will be scoffers so don't be surprised that they're scoffers. Don't be surprised that the world is getting worse and worse. They predicted it. There will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Verse 19. It is these who cause division. Worldly people devoid of the spirit. So don't be surprised by thing, these things. You know, the Bible talks about when you see all these things, look up for your redemption is drawing nigh. Is it hard to live in the midst of so much ungodliness at times? Yes. But we shouldn't be surprised by these things. Remember the words of the Lord. Remember that he, there was, there's, these things have been prophesied. This is what was coming. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised that there's false teachers. We shouldn't be surprised that even maybe people who at one time we respected. Um, I think of, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but... Um, remember hearing about Ray Bolts. Uh, he wrote a, some powerful songs. And the way he turned to sin and to debauchery. Oh, hurts your heart. Hurts my heart. Hurts God's heart. Don't be surprised. Even when people who maybe really looked like they had the real deal turn. These are the last days. These things have been prophesied. It's going to happen. 
And just remember these people, they are devoid of the Spirit. What a sobering thing to be devoid of the Spirit. I'm thankful this morning for salvation. I'm thankful this morning that as believers here this morning, we are not devoid of the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God inside of us that leads us and guides us into all truth. These people that are devoid of the Spirit, no wonder they go to anything and everything. No wonder they go into more and more ungodliness. They don't have the Spirit to guide them. Then verse 21 says to us as believers, Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. So here, it talks about keeping ourselves, and I just love the balance. That's beautiful. But if you're keeping yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, don't forget the other people. Don't forget those people that are out there that are living ungodly lives. God wants us and use he wants to use us to show mercy on them and god wants to use us to even help to save some of them like and i just picture like snatching them right from the brink of eternal destruction um i've never experienced being with somebody who turned to christ in the very last days or moments of their life i know my mom has several times and it's just a beautiful thing to realize, you know, the ungodliness that someone lived, maybe for their whole life, when they come to Christ in true repentance with hours or with days to live, they're plucked out of the hand of the enemy. And that mercy and that grace that Jesus extended to me is extended to them. And they're, they're, they're just rescued. And it's, it's a beautiful thing, even at the last moment like that, to be able to rescue them. Um, but my, God wants to help, God wants us, he wants to use us to help pull people out of these kind of situations. He wants to help us to pull them out of the darkness and into his kingdom. And then the last verse that we're very familiar with, and why don't we all stand up at this point. Um, I think this is probably the most familiar verse in the whole book of Jude because, well, some churches read it every Sunday. I know my wife knows it very well, growing up Lutheran and all. But let's, um, let's read this all together. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy... To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You can sit down. Wow. Aren't you thankful this morning that he is keeping us? It is him who's going to keep us from stumbling. It is him that is going to present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To him, the only God and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. That excites me. You know, there is a lot of crazy in the world that we live in. So we talked about last week contending for the faith, fighting the battle that we're in. And we talked some about the perversion and the just the darkness and the sinfulness of the ungodly world. Then we jumped into the last part of us persevering once again. We talked about building ourselves up. And then it, it ends with the part very much of what God is doing in our lives. Our part is to surrender. Our part is to walk in repentance. Our part is to walk in humility. God is doing his work inside of us. And my prayer for each one of us is that we would say yes to God. And no to our flesh, no to the things of this world. It is God's desire that he could present us blameless before his presence with glory and great joy. Man, makes me kind of want, want to go to heaven. Makes me kind of want uh, Jesus to come back. May all glory and majesty and dominion and authority be to him now and forever. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, you're the greatest. We worship you this morning. Father, thank you that you are working in each one of our hearts And Father, I just pray that you would encourage us to press in. Lord, that we could become more and more like you, Jesus. That we could become as holy as it is possible for you to make someone. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't pull back, but that we would press into all that you have for us. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't go back to the weak and beggarly elements. Lord, I pray that we would be quick and to deal with any kind of impurity, any kind of sin, any kind of works of the flesh that would desire to corrupt and would desire to destroy us as believers. Lord, I pray that we would be quick to deal with those things. And most of all, Lord, that we would have a heart each and every day pressing into you, pressing into what you have for us, Lord, that you would be our altogether lovely one. Father, thank you that you it is your desire to be able to present each one of us without fault and blameless. Not because we're so perfect, Lord, but because of your transforming work, because of the mercy and the grace of Jesus. Father, thank you for that. And I pray, God, that we would press in, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives Lord, we worship you. All majesty and dominion and authority belongs to you, now and forever. Thank you for each one here. Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts. I pray you would challenge us, challenge us where we need to be challenged. And I pray you would build up those things that need built up, strengthen those things that need strengthened. Thank you for each one here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time. Um, Daniel, I'll turn it over to you to wrap up.